boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you on this Saturday morning, the 29th of June. I have a very special edition of Talking Greyhounds coming up this morning. It is the very last day that Marg Long will be the manager of the Melbourne Greyhound Racing Association with her retirement from 40 years in the greyhound industry. Marg is my special guest in the studio this morning and we'll be looking back at a fabulous career, chat about some fabulous greyhounds and maybe throw in a few surprises. Marg, good morning. Wonderful to Uh, have you here. Thanks, Simone. Uh, I'm not sure about the surprises, but we'll do our best, okay, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. No one jumping out of cakes, I can promise you. Thank God for that. <laughs> well, Marg, tonight you closed the door on a stellar career. Um, have you played out in your mind how you might be feeling walking out of the meadows for the very last time as manager? Probably still be filing some things, Simone, because <laughs> it's very hard to put 27 years of things away. Um, no, look, I... I think it'll be twofold. There'll be a hint of sadness, but um, a lot of pleasure as well. I've I've had a fortunate to have a fantastic career that I consider. Oh, I, I and I I say this I know all the time, but I consider myself to be one of the you know the lucky people in the world that has managed to uh, not feel like I've gone to work every day because I've done what is my passion for the last well almost forty years, but the last mm-hmm. twenty seven with the club, which has been for me just um a, a lifestyle and a lifetime in a sense you know giving up those Saturday nights for all that time that's a huge commitment as we know a lot of things happen over weekends and uh, I think that that's just an amazing statistic in itself because uh, that's a real commitment to the job. It is, uh, becomes part of the job, but uh, as I say, I love the job. Um, I did miss football for a long time because I used to go to football. Sometimes Ron and I would go to football two games in a weekend. We do the Geelong game and the St Kilda game. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> so we haven't been able to do that for a lot of years, but um, I, I can see that I'll be back to that next year with the football and you know, but you know, you get to mix with lots of really nice people. You get around, have a chat to trainers, um, you know, and, and your guests on a Saturday night. I enjoy that. You obviously do because otherwise you wouldn't have been there as long as you have. Is it quite daunting the thought of retirement in one sense that, um, you've had this regimented lifestyle for so long and all of a sudden it's this freedom, but, um, it might not have as much structure. Is that daunting or is it just a really liberating feel for you now? No, I'm a pretty flexible person. Um, I think that probably I can't go from working six days a week. I normally go in six days and, and I do that, not because I have to, but I do because I like it, um, to doing nothing. So I'll always be doing something, mm-hmm. um, you know, little bits here and there, hopefully. Uh, but in, initially we're going to have a holiday off to the States for three weeks in July. So that'll be nice just to unwind after everything. Yeah. Uh, but you'll miss, I'll miss the people. And I'll miss my staff. I have mm. fantastic staff. I, you know, love all of them. They're just wonderful people to work with. Everybody knows what they're doing and they're great support. Absolutely great support. Let's go back. What's your first recollection of a greyhound? Were you a little, were you a little girl or was it a bit later in life? Uh, my father had greyhounds he, um, when he was young. So he often spoke about them and, but really, uh, when I first got married, which was about 50 years ago, just makes you realise how old you are. 
There's <laughs> probably no secret well, about that. Well, you don't look it. There's <laughs> no secret about that. But um, my former husband, he he had worked with George Hasem, who had a lot of very, very good dogs. And um, we actually just, we were living at Yanar at the time, not Yanar, at Churchill at the time. And um, we got involved there and, and that was sort of, I was about 19 or 20. And we've just sort of uh, went on from went on from there, you know. We've got a couple of dogs, and away it went. And once once you have the passion, the passion never leaves you, really. I think it's that the the dogs do it, don't they? They just oh. they're just so lovable. And um, you know, I know myself. There's times you think, why do I do this every morning and every night, and go times with no winners, and you, you yeah. struggle in areas. But I think it's just the dogs themselves really keep you going. Oh, they do. They they all have their own nature. You know, they're all individuals and. Pretty amazing when you think that you can raise them from pups, you know, and see them through mm. that whole whole part of their life growing up, and then then you get the thrill of the racing, you know, which is, which is a a different thing altogether, and then you can have them as your pet, which is a, a, just another stage of their life altogether. So yeah. you really see them through many stages of their life, and and they are just a beautiful animal. They sure are. You worked at Taralgon, then the, and then Geelong, and then the Melbourne Greyhound Racing Association at Olympic Park, and now at the Meadows. Yes. So can you just give us a brief snapshot of your Taralgon Geelong MGRA um, transition? Yeah, it's a big transition, I have to mm. tell you. It, it's um, at Taralgon. I had belonged to the Owners and Trainers Association there before I actually was employed as the secretary there, and it was. Um, Oh, what would I call it? Very country. Um, right. <laughs> organic. Organic. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, and, uh, when I first went there, there were no TAB meetings, nothing else. And over a period of time, we started off, we had two, we got two for our cup. And then we got half a dozen, then we got a dozen, and then we had all TAB meetings, you know. So it, it, it was sort of a growth stage of things, but you know, it was all very hands-on. You did your own grading. You did all of those things. Not that I ever minded grading. I liked it, actually. Uh, so it's a completely different atmosphere, you know, and, and a lot of helpful trainers in those years. I could go back to the times and think a, a lot of very good people helped me out a lot, as in providing dogs when we were short, uh, just a just a general support behind you, and they they were wonderful, and some of them remain good friends till today, really. And then moved on to Geelong, uh, and in Geelong, uh, is was very very different because Geelong's sort of sub metro, I suppose you'd say. They were just satellite type city clubs, you know. And Geelong was very busy at that time. Kerry Askew was the manager there, and and he was. Um, I went to work with him. Worked with him for 12 months and then he left, so I took over there. And he taught me a lot. He taught me a heck of a lot. Uh, and I, you know, I appreciated that really. Mm. It, it was a busy place and it was good. Then an opening came up at Olympic Park for, pardon me, <coughs> for, um, a racing manager. So I went to work at Olympic Park and then within a matter of months, um, the CEO left and and I took over the role there. So that was the transition between them all. They're very different from the three clubs. I would like to think uh, that that early... Um, grounding. Or grounding, yeah, that that early grounding helped me right through because 
I think I have a pretty good understanding, not just of metro racing, but of country as well and the management of country as well as having been through those stages. So I think it helps you in the long term. You, know, you can't ever lose track of your roots, I don't believe. Uh, Marg, you haven't, absolutely. I mean, you can't, like you say, have, you've had a wonderful foundation, you've built on it to what the Meadows is today, but, <clears throat> excuse me, you've had a profound and positive effect on people as well, many people in, in the industry. Let's have a listen to what some have to say. I'm Corey Hiscock, the track manager of the Meadows. I'd just like to say, Marg's leaving behind a strong legacy following her time with the Melbourne Greyhound Racing Association. In my eyes, Marg's passion for the sport... Her support of diversity in employment and high levels of integrity have been her greatest strength. And I now hope, Marg, that you have a long, healthy and happy retirement. Well done. Hi, Margaret. Neil Brown here. I've known you since your Tarelgan days. And for me personally, uh, you gave me a lot of opportunities, which led to many, many other things that I was able to get involved with. And I know Marg helped many. Matty Hill comes to mind, certainly a pioneer for the women of our industry who had always been the backbone of it, but now they share the limelight because of women like Margaret in what was a pretty male-dominated industry. Congratulations on a wonderful career and have that very happy retirement. Hi, Marg. Eddie here on behalf of our board and staff at the Meadows. Thank you for your contribution to our association and indeed towards the ground industry in general. An amazing 40 years involvement, the last 27 with the NGRA. On a personal note, I have enjoyed our working relationship, love your passion, and as you have often mentioned, you love your job. And when you do that, good things happen. Good luck in your retirement. To you and Ron also, because Ron has been with us for a long time as well, and he's retiring as well. So good luck to both of you. Thank you, Mark. Mark, I think um, you can understand that heartfelt well, the heartfelt uh, messages there from people that you're very close to. And I'm not trying to make you cry or get you upset. Are. You are. But, <laughs> but, I mean, this is, you know, this is the impact that you've had on people. But um, also, I wanted to not draw the gender card, but my involvement with Greyhounds went back to 1991. And never once have I ever felt put down by the men in the industry. Um, I've never felt isolated. They're just, you're handling a dog, you're trialling, you're boxing it. And it, you're just part of everyone. And I think that's what I've loved about it. There's never been this discrimination or men get preferences over women. So how was it for you way back when you started? Did you ever feel that? Um, because I'm sure you don't want to be looked upon as the woman trailblazer, but that's sort of what has happened inadvertently. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a feminist in any sense of the word, really, Simone. So I don't, I don't believe, um, I don't believe in the gender card, really. I, I, I'm not really. I think if you're good enough to do the job, then just do the job and people will appreciate you for that. I haven't really had any issues within the industry. You know, if they have been, that's not been known to me. You know, they've been very good to me. Everybody's mm. been very good to me. And I, I, I think if you treat people as an equal, that that is returned. And, uh, yeah, it's never really caused me any grief. I, you know, I worked in the car industry a bit before, before Greyhounds and, um, it was a bit of quite, quite, bit different. Quite, quite, bit different. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it was certainly. Um, I've never, never had the, you know, any issues that you might have had there back there. Yeah, that's I think what we just embrace women in the sport, really, don't we? And it's not about to um, be better or equal. It's just the fact that we do it because we're all in it together. I agree, and I, do you know, I, I, I think that I don't think women are a new innovation into the industry. If, if, if I can no, put it that you're way, right, you're right. purely and simply because women have. Always, but because, because grand racing is a family sport, it's always involved husband and wife, kids, everybody. 
and and that's the beauty of this sport. Mm. This this is not something that's uh, that you can't achieve. You know that, that is distant from you. You know it, it's there, and and you, you're able to involve everybody in the family. And we've seen. I mean, we look around now. Um, we see the kids growing up. I, I look at my son. You know, he's 43 years old. <laughs> God forbid. Um, but you look at them and you think. Yeah, he's been going to the dog since he was a baby. Yes. So it, it's really, it's really just, I don't know, just, just time evolves, gets away and it just evolves. Mm. Yeah, it just evolves the whole family. So the women have always been there, whether yes. they've been there making up the teas for the dogs or whether just the support base or, you know, you know, maybe walking dogs or whatever they've been doing, they've been involved in some way. So it, it's, it's not new. It's not new for women. No, and I, I think um, your administration is certainly something monumental because um, we haven't had another female in the industry that has gone on as long as you haven't achieved what you have. But um, I know that that's not your driving force. You just get on no. with a job and do it. No, it's not my driving force. It's nothing to do about to do with me as such. It's to do with the industry and. Mm. Um, what you can achieve really, you know, just making it as good as you can make it. In your four-decade career, I'm sure it would be impossible to pick out one particular greyhound or run that was um, like the best ever, but we've put together a few Australian Cup runs here that I know are are something that you, or ones that you are, well, they're quite special to you, I should say, so we'll take a listen to those now. Coming off the back, it's Bullion Breaker 2, clear, Spread Eagle on second, 14 style on and then Demon Range on the corner. Bullion Breaker, the leader, Spread Eagle is down the outside. Bullion Breaker, tackled by Spread Eagle, the favourites got up to win, Spread Eagle first. Jana tripped the leader, two lengths to Bomber Gleeson, two or three to Denny's host third, then true to do on the inside, Fiery Blue travelling tears for Harbour Blue and Chantilla at the tail. Jana tripped the leader about four lengths to Bomber Gleeson, then true to do to the outside. Well back, Denny's host, they turn, Jana tripped the leader, true to do starting to flash down the the outside, China Trip the leader. China Trip has won the Australian Cup. Blackjack Tom the leader. Four or five lengths clear. Hot Agent second going up on the inside train. Then November Fury followed for the back by Most Awesome. Well back came Cyrus the virus of the tail of the field. Their excitability. Big bad Catherine but Blackjack Tom as well clear. Most Awesome into second place. Flying home. The leader Blackjack Tom Most Awesome flew by Jesus as they go. It's either Blackjack Tom or Most Awesome who flew at the end. It's a dead heat after the Australian Cup. The judge couldn't separate them. Well, Marg, three iconic races there. Let's just briefly chat about them. I know the Spread Eagle 1990 Australian Cup win is one that will always stand out in your mind. Do you want to just um, elaborate? Yeah, well, Spread Eagle was owned and trained by Joe Pearl. Joe is an Irishman. Bit hard to understand sometimes, <laughs> yes. but, but a, a delightful man. Absolutely delightful man. And um, Spread Eagle and, and I raced a bitch called Toinette at the time. So Joe and I had had a few tussles along the right. way there. He, he, uh, actually had the 600 metre track record at, at, uh, Olympic Park and then Spread Eagle come along and knocked it off. So I, you know, right. I remember it really well, but more so I remember Joe's win with Spread Eagle in the Australian Cup because, oh, he was such a proud Irishman, honestly. The dog went, the dog got to the catching pen and Joe was crying, running down the track, picking up his dog. And he picked up his dog and picked him up above his shoulders and showed him off to the crowd all the way back to the dais. And it, mm. it, it, it was such a proud moment in his life, you know, and, and emotional, really mm. emotional, you mm. know, not just for Joe, but for everybody, you know, he was, he was just so pleased. So it was, it was really lovely. 
China trip in 1993. I was actually there. I think that may have been my very first big night race. And I remember someone saying to me, China trip won it last year. Um, and Alan Britton had um, Dinny's host in mm-hmm. the final. So I was there. It was an amazing night. And I remember Helen, I uh, met Helen Gorman, who was the owner of China trip at the time. But that was her second Australian Cup win. And then you had some involvement with her whelping her down too, didn't you? Oh, I did. Well, well to, to, to win two Australian Cups is pretty amazing, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. And she was only a little wee fawn bit. She wasn't very big. But yes, she... Uh, <laughs> They got trying to trip into pub. <laughs> I don't want to tell tales on Helen, but anyway, Helen clearly wasn't used to. Really wasn't had a no, midwife. No, she wasn't a midwife, <laughs> and she didn't really have any history in whelping bitches down. You know, so uh, she said to me, "Can you come and can you come and look at look at the girl? Forgotten what her kennel name was now, to be quite honest. But anyway, I went over to Helen's place and had a look, and she said I hadn't." quite realise that you probably need to prepare an area where she's going to have the pups. She used to sleep on the couch out the back, who knows. So we set up the shed and got it all ready. But um, whelping became very interesting. She was very close to whelping when I first had a look at her. I said, now when she starts to do this and this, you better give me a call. So she rang me. Well, she was terrified of the whole process. You know, <laughs> she, she, was, she was a maiden bitch naturally, you know. So first pup was quite traumatic and... Hell, it had a bit of a panic session and dashed off and <laughs> that happened every time she had another pup and I think she only had four off memory but it was a very funny experience and anyway, the bitch survived and the pup survived and it was all good. It was all good. And then the dead heat, is that um, a promoter's nightmare or is it a wonderful thing to have happened in the Australian Cup? It's a bit of a good and bad. I didn't mm. think they were ever going to get through with the photo finish. I think they stalled it as long as they can, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was exciting. It was very exciting and it... it it can be a bit of a nightmare because clearly you only prepare one trophy and one rug. Yes, so of so we we sort of did a bit of shuffling there, but it, it was because it was a unique experience. It was great. Marg, let's take a listen now to a few more familiar voices. Hi, Ron Hawkesville here. I've known Marg for about the last three decades. If I was asked what Marg's greatest attributes are, I would say her undivided attention to her duties at the office and her willingness to help people out and offer them advice and guidance. Marg, on behalf of everyone in Greyhound Racing, we wish you a long, healthy and happy retirement. And may I say, a job extremely well done. Hi Marg, just wanted to drop by and join the chorus expressing all the very best wishes in the world on your impending retirement. From my first contact with you way back in the Tarelgan days, well over 30 years ago, through your time at Geelong and your spectacular sunshine days with the MGRA, you've always placed the best interests of the code as your highest priority. Your people skills are the best I've ever witnessed and not only the MGRA but Greyhound Racing in general will be the poorer for your loss. Good luck in the future. I hope the Pussycats from Cadinia Park can win a flag or two for you in the not too distant future. Hi Marg, it's Happy here. Some 38 years ago I met you. I was skinny and I had no silver hair. At Terrelgan, it was my first call ever and the caller didn't turn up and you kindly gave me a job calling the races there. My call that day was a disaster unlike your career, which has been absolutely fabulous. I'd also like to thank Ronnie Hood, your partner. Both of you have been absolutely supportive of my career through uh, 38 years, and I think the simplest way to describe your career, Mark, of being CEO at various clubs, Mark, you are simply a Group 1 performer. 
think Paul's um, summed it up beautifully there, Mark. Oh, We've still, still got a little bit more to talk mm-hmm. about, but um, again, I think you can really sense those heartfelt messages coming from people that obviously respect you greatly. Mark, one of your strengths, I know, is um, you pull no punches, but you've gained an enormous respect from people in the wider community and the racing community. I think it's probably because you're very fair and you're very approachable. Uh, what do you think it is that um, sometimes when you can go the hard line, people you know, can be a bit off-putting, but people respect you so much. Why do you think that is? Uh, <clears throat> I've only become aware that I'm, I really call it like that in the recent times because <laughs> they keep telling me now. Um, no, I don't think... I, I think if I've got a strong opinion on something, I just say it. Um, and I, and I think, if I think it's good for the industry, I just say it. Uh, I don't mean, I don't mean it arrogantly or rudely. I don't mean it that way at all, but I suppose, I suppose you could say I call a spade a spade. Mm. Um, but I genuinely like people and, um, it's really, you only say what you say or do what you do because you want the best, you know? So perhaps it's just a case of, you know, you're out there, there's no hidden agendas with you. People just see you for what you are and that um, has mm-hmm. really, I guess, gained that respect and um, you know, people just like being around you and as we've we've heard. But no doubt throughout your career there's been some challenges and I assume that the biggest one was moving from Olympic Park and finding a new place and having to race at Sandown for that period. But was that the biggest challenge or is there something else that... Um, no, that mind? was the biggest challenge, but... Uh, Oh, really exciting, and and I don't I don't think many people in their working <coughs> careers get the opportunity to do what I was part of, you know, um, with a good board and and good people around me, you know. So it was challenging the move from Olympic Park. We had great support from um, Tom Reynolds, who was the minister for racing at that time. Uh, we had a, a big move to move to move everything and resettle. Um, the city link were the people who removed us, but they only had an obligation to remove us and put us back there. Right. But the Olympic Park didn't want us to go back there, obviously. That precinct is very, very busy. So we set about looking at sites, doing what we did. You know, had a couple of consultants we were working with at that time, and we looked at over 80 sites all over the place, and they were football grounds. They were all sorts of things, but settled where we are at Broadmeadows, which has been a really good move for us. You know, it's it's... It's a bit to the north of Melbourne, but um, we were able to go to the Greenfield site there and then the, the process of actually working on a new building, a new future, all of that was very, very exciting. And we had a project number, Andy, Andy Evans, project manager, Andy Evans was his name. He uh, ran the project for us and I worked with him through the whole period. He taught me so much. I, 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 so much that has helped me through my work life, I think. You know, he was a young fellow. He's a really right. lovely young fellow, you know, so, <laughs> but very highly intelligent, really understands the building industry and all that sort of planning, all that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, he taught me a lot and he, he actually said about saying, okay, we'll save money, work with the board, with our board at the time and said, we'll save money here instead of getting an architect to straight to an architect. We run a competition. We ran a competition between about eight architects to to come up with their uh, conceptual designs. And um, it it was determined that Jeff Nan, who is the architect, Adelaide architect actually, um, his design would fit the bill. Mm. Uh, And so we worked with it from there. Um, Andy said if we spend... This, if we spend six weeks to eight weeks 
prior to commencing the project in getting things right at the start, then it will save us money and time at the end. And he was right. He was mm-hmm. absolutely right. So we worked with loads of people, engineers, all sorts of people within the industry and external to the industry. And it was a really, um, learning experience for me and, and fantastic. Really just mm. fantastic for something to be able to do that. And so I appreciated all of that. And then we had a, we built up a great rapport with the builders, the actual builders. Um, used to do a trip out there every Friday with a slab of beer under my arm because it works a treat, I discovered. Um, and they were, they were fantastic. So you know, when you're getting close to the end and you've got a lot to still do and you've got to get it over the line. And Andy says to you, Mark, I think you need to talk to these people. So, you know, we'll just have a bit of a meeting in the bedding ring. Can you encourage them to get it over the line? You know, so we did. And yeah. it was, it was fantastic. It just showed that all those slabs of beer paid off because <laughs> after I pleaded them to finish the project on time, they said it was a rousing cheer and we, we treated them to a night out at the meadows, um, once we were clear and racing, but it was a bit hair raising at the end because they were laying the carpet in that during the night before oh. and, um, yeah, also painting things. We had sprayed on grass, went home with green feet. Oh, um, it, <laughs> it was such an exciting time. Really great. Yeah. Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Um, I had the privilege of doing the presentation and um, you were speechless, which is probably one of the first times in your life. And I didn't want to preempt you to get you to, I just wanted you to be, come out and say things. And I'm sure that um, you look back now and there's lots that you'd like to say about your interests oh. outside of racing. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not quite sure how you, as everybody knows, I chat a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how you get up and somebody's asking you questions and your brain is so fogged at that point <laughs> through shock that you can't actually remember what you do outside of racing. <laughs> so it was, I felt for you after that. I thought, oh, poor Simone, no, she, she's got this, she's got this interview that she's got and she's got the yes, no answers. You know, that's the worst thing on earth. No, it, it was, I think, um, in a moment like that, Everyone can understand the shock on your face and, um, and coming up and I, it was absolutely fine. Trust me. It's a very humbling experience. I've got to say it was, it was, mm. it was a total shock to me and very, very humbling because you don't, that's a significant thing in your life, mm. but you don't get that without good people around you. So those awards really belong to a lot of people. Marg, I'd love to sit and chat for another half an hour. Unfortunately, we are out of time on Talking Greyhounds this morning, but I think there's no truer words than what Paul Hammond said. And Marg, you're a Group 1 performer. Congratulations, and um, I hope you enjoy your retirement. Thanks, Simone. been a pleasure coming in. Thanks so much, and um, I hope you've enjoyed our special edition of Talking Greyhounds here this morning. So until next week, you keep those tails.